which was the turning point that enabled OpenAI to actually release ChatGPT? And why today ChatGPT is so interesting from a network effects standpoint? Let me explain a little bit the history of how they implemented a model called InstructGPT, which today has become the standard, and how this model actually helped you know, GPT-3 to transition into a conversational interface that today we call ChatGPT, and actually how you know, something like ChatGPT might gain network effects. A lot of discussions today that uh, I'm listening, you know, on the on the on the web and you know by talking to various people in the industry, is how those AI models might uh, get commoditized. And you know, I get the point that uh, developing an AI model from scratch, you know, may not be that hard. And there are people who are able to do it with uh, limited resources. However, one thing is to develop a model that works in, uh, you know, let's say 50-60% of the cases. Another thing is to develop a model that can work at scale and that can work on many of the edge cases and actually improve quite quickly based on those edge cases. Another key element is not just about the technology at scale, meaning the ability to make a product solid and uh, able to actually be uh, performing at, uh, at scale on a large number of users, is also the ability to actually uh, make this technology distributed, monetized, and then to create a business ecosystem around it. So this is what creates uh, AI modes. And I already explore, uh, explored on the podcast newsletter and blog what uh, AI modes are, how do you create them? But here I would like to highlight a couple of points. So the first is, how did actually GPT-3 turn into a conversational interface? And the second is, how is ChatGPT actually becoming a product that can enjoy uh, what's so-called uh, network effects? Let me explain. Now, when it comes to the first thing, which is about how did GPT-3 turn into you know, um, a, a language model able to generate content, However, not able absolutely to be a conversational interface due to the fact that uh, it could uh, be uh, misleading or toxic in, in many cases to becoming, you know, turning into ChatGPT that still has a huge amount of limitation, especially when you take into account that it's getting tested on, you know, potentially unos, probably hundreds of millions of users. But the, the turning point was a model called InstructGPT, which was, uh, you know, a model that uh, used a human in the loop approach. So let me explain a little bit, uh, you know, the the key difference here. Now, in the past, if you wanted to develop something cool on the uh, SNAI model, most probably what you what you would do, you would try to uh, write in the code all the potential goals and uh, things that uh, that software needed to be. That was the old paradigm. The new paradigm that we saw with generative models and with the transformer-based architecture is you can actually develop those large models with uh, non-supervised learning, meaning that you feed uh, this data into uh, those, uh, those models and through a transformer-based architecture, you can get an incredible output. So it was the unsupervised approach to learning of those models that was incredible. 
Now, that, that was point num number one, which led definitely to the development of things like GPT-3. Of course, once you've done this unsupervised learning where you got those models, which would be extremely good at generalized, not extremely good, but, you know, good at generalized tasks, then you needed to adapt them to specific tasks. So let's say you had a model that did many things from a language standpoint, but then you needed it for language translation. So what did you do? You actually uh, you actually performed fine tuning, meaning that you actually uh, make the the model uh, the model uh, uh, a sort of supervised uh, learning on top of the generalized model so that you can tweak the output of the model based on this supervised learning. Now, the interesting part is this supervised learning is actually uh, happening on a much smaller data set, meaning that you can do it on a uh, much smaller uh, you know, amount of data to actually improve drastically the outputs of this model. That's what happened with the Eastrack GPT. So while GPT-3 was trained on a large amount of data on uh, billions of parameters, um, and um, it was released as a general purpose, uh, you know, engine. Then on the other side, on top of GPT-3, uh, it was uh, uh, there was uh, it was used this Instruct GPT model that uh, uh, used fine tuning from from humans. In other words, here what happens is that you got a, a, a technique called reinforcement learning from human feedback. Uh, where uh, you got uh, pretty much uh, uh, an output that was generated by a set of writers, human writers that, you know, uh, from a prompt generated an, uh, an, an answer which was written by those humans. And therefore the machine, the general purpose machine that has been uh, pre-trained on an, an unsupervised set of data, huge amount of data, a huge amount of parameters, then could be fine-tuned, therefore made uh, much better at specific tasks improved its output through this supervised learning, meaning that again, you have humans on the other side uh, where you do the same thing, you do the same process, you give those humans a prompt and they are, instead of having the machine writing the, the let's say, the execution to the prompt, you actually have the human write it down so that the output is much more uh, accurate, is more truthful and you can control it. And therefore, when the machine observes the, uh, the, um, the humans written uh, outputs, it can learn from it and therefore get fine-tuned, meaning that uh, the model can get much better, more truthful, uh, more, um, you know, uh, based on uh, more grounded. Of course, again, uh, limitations of ChatGPT are clear. It's still, uh, you know, limited and uh, it still has a lot of edge cases, but the thing is, compared to like GPT-3 models, is much more advanced thanks to this, this uh, supervised fine-tuning approach, which is a human-in-the-loop approach. Uh, and now InstructGPT has actually become the standard within the, um, uh, the, the API's endpoint of OpenAI. That's the interesting thing. Now, there is one thing to take into account. Of course, you can keep using this approach and um, uh, OpenAI might get better and better in using this approach. Uh, when when it comes to developing like new uh, AI models and improving the existing ones, however, this approach may not scale. Meaning that, you know, if you were to Im increase the, the the number of uh, iterations that you need from humans to actually fine tune the model, then it all gets wasted because you're gonna need a huge amount of resources and huge amount of time to actually do this sort of training. Instead, what they're doing, for instance, with uh, with ChatGPT, and the reason why, for instance, you see. Uh, when you go on ChatGPT, the, the, the chance to actually like or not uh, an answer is actually they're using the data from users. So the, 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 
the data that's coming in from from the users uh, and you know using for free the app to further fine-tune GPT uh, ChatGPT. In other words, uh, the human in the loop approach right now is getting used also in the in the live ChatGPT uh, chat. And uh, those feedback that uh, are coming from humans, uh, users that are using the platform, are, in, are helping ChatGPT improve through, again, reinforcement uh, learning. That's quite interesting because, again, the, the most interesting part of those large language models was the incredible revolution of a transformer-based architecture that uh, with unsupervised learning, so no one told the machine the objectives before or no one uh, you know, uh, expressed the, the output the way it uh, should have been instead the machine based on a transformer based architecture and with unsupervised learning managed to be quite good at generalized tasks so the task here was the prediction of text to text um, on, a, on a specific token um, and uh, numbers of token and then now we have an approach where you combine unsupervised learning with supervised fine-tuning, meaning then that after the model has been uh, is is uh, ready from a generalized standpoint, you actually uh, make sure that you can use humans in the loop to uh, create uh, an output uh, that the machine needs to replicate. And based on that uh, output, which needs to be a very small data set compared to the data set where the machine has been trained, you can make the model much, much better, which is what Instruct GPT does. Another point, again, is about network effects. Right now, with uh, users being able to give feedback on a real-time basis within ChatGPT, those humans' feedback might be uh, used to actually improve and therefore make ChatGPT able to grow, grow through network effects because we might assume that uh, as more users join the platform, uh, the more they're going to be leaving feedback uh, to ChatGPT and therefore the more ChatGPT is going to get better at edge cases. So it's going to become much better like quickly. This is not trivial because again, one of the most important aspects of making uh, those AI models extremely well is data. Uh, one is in the supervised fine-tuning, as I said, which uh, is what has been done with Instruct GPT, but this can get quite expensive and can slow down the development of new models. The other one is through uh, the development of built-in network effects into the products through reinforcement learning and by the ability of those models to actually gather feedback. So right now, if you are ChatGPT on the market, which is gathering the feedback from millions of users, from a business standpoint, this is a huge, huge major advantage. And if you can do it uh, at a smaller scale, meaning on millions of users before this industry explodes, and therefore it becomes much, much riskier, you actually can gain traction quite quickly. That's the interesting thing to look at right now and why uh, OpenAI approach has been so effective so far. Of course, it also, it also has, as I explained, if you look at the OpenAI-Microsoft uh, partnership, what can go wrong, it, it can also have major drawbacks. But it's quite interesting to look at this approach for the release of AI products.